Welcome to The Extra Podcast, a production of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Your hosts, Jeff, Ezra, and Thalia will be discussing the Bible, relevant issues, and current events each week. At Northview, we love to study God's Word and discuss how it applies to our lives, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So feel free to laugh with us and at us as we try to challenge and encourage you in your faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our extra podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Ezra is not with us today. He has to prepare a sermon, he said. But I've got... Doesn't he have other time to prepare uh, sermons? Well, I know. But I've got I'm Josh... I'm here when I'm preparing our, sermons. I just wanted to go on record. I just know. No, and Josh, great. our faithful producer, is Hello. here. Thanks, Josh. And Jeff is here. You just Hi. heard him. Okay, so summer is coming up. What are you looking forward to, you guys? Sitting by a baseball field and watching uh, the grass grow. Hmm. It's one of my favorite places. Your son Micah is playing this year? Yeah, he plays uh, baseball for okay. this, the, the local... Uh, team called the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So Did you play a, baseball as a kid? No. Well, a little bit, until I got hit straight in the back. Wow. In the back. And yeah. I, I remember getting hit in the back at it because I turned my back. They always tell you if the ball's coming at you, turn your uh, back away so you don't, like if you go the other way, it's a swing. Yeah. <laughs> so I turned your back away and it just got plunked me dead in my back and it hurt Ooh. for days. Yeah. I must have been, I don't know, like 10. And I just, ever since that, I just could not... And then and now they throw the pitches they throw are like 90 mile, miles an hour. They're so fast. And I don't know how the guys I – sit, I sit sometimes uh, by the backstop or whatever mm-hmm. as you're watching the game, and I don't know how the guys stand in there and do it. Baseball mm-hmm. is a game that for the life of me, I don't know how people play it because there's no way I could hit the ball. There's no way. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe if I got lucky and I just kind of closed my eyes and swung real quick, yeah. maybe I'd hit the ball. Maybe. When I was growing up, my dad was part of an interchurch baseball league between the small Mennonite churches. And so we used to go all the time to watch baseball. And one time this lady was sitting on the sidelines just watching the game, and she got smacked straight in the face with a baseball. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Ambulance had to be called. There's blood everywhere. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like way way out on the side. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a lovely game. Uh, It is. It's a summer. If you, if you, uh, I did, I used to not like baseball, but now I do. Especially because of the culture of not not the culture around it in the sense that, I mean, there's a rough culture like hockey around it in some ways. But the but the it's a summer game. Mm-hmm. The signal that the summer is coming when it is when it starts. Yeah, and then it's in full swing, and it's a kind of an everyday game. Yeah, there's always a game on. Yeah. It's not doesn't move very quickly. No, so it's it kind of relaxing. Feels like summer. Yeah, you can sit by the side and fall asleep for a period of it <laughs> wake up and you're like oh it's still yeah. happening uh, yeah nothing much has changed it is a fantastic <laughs> no nah, but then when it mm-hmm. when it does happen because things don't happen all that when something does happen it's super exciting and there's tension in the air when the, <laughs> something happens on every pitch it's a lot of fun yeah. i love it josh yeah. what about you well just on the baseball piece i grew up uh South American parents who absolutely hated baseball. Oh, so I'm very, opposite. I'm slowly, slowly turning around. I I watched a game with um, Ron Friesen and his family a few uh-huh. years ago. And I was like, I was trying to be nice, like a good guest. And like, so I was like, okay, I'm really going to pay attention. I'm going to see what's going on. I'm going to try and remember the player names yeah. and like what I would do normally for soccer if yeah. I'm watching a different league than I was used to. So I could like engage in conversation. So I was really focused on the mm-hmm. game. 
for like 40 minutes and it was and that killing was it. me. <laughs> and that was and it. You're done. Yeah. And then I looked around and I realized that I was the only one yeah, paying that is. much attention. No, they don't pay attention <laughs> yeah. that much. It's, it's a chat fest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was it's like, about oh, the experience of yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it kind of clicked. And like, so I'm like, I kind of get, I get it now. Mm-hmm. You think that's bad? You should watch cricket. Mm. I've been to some oh. cricket matches in other parts of the world. And now that's a deal. Like it's seven, eight hour days that's yeah. just a one day it would and help if, if you, you understand five, the five game, day though. internationals Oof. are like they they last like eight nine hours a day wow mm. and that's in their white suits but you put it on the you just put it on the tv and it just sort of happens yeah yeah you say oh, i'll like, watch this i'll watch another over it's and like my parents four, watching four curling pitches, oh, they watch yeah. curling all winter time i just have it on the tv in the background yeah it's background noise that's yeah what it is. background noise yeah we get to go to Whistler this summer for a week, so I'm looking forward to that already. Nice. I'm like, okay, how many weeks mm. until Whistler? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk a little bit today about all kinds of things. i got some ideas on the, on the horizon, on the board over there. Anyway, to open it up, I thought I would tell you about a funeral I went to last week. It was Mark's aunt. She's 97 years old, faithful member of Ebenezer Church here in town, and clear in her mind until the end. And at the funeral, it was actually a really great funeral, and it was clear that uh, she's a faithful woman of God who was known for praying for her kids, her grandkids, and her great-grandkids by name every day. This came out multiple times through the service and then the program afterwards. And it made me think that at funerals, we're very careful to speak well of people. And I've been to other funerals where you could clearly say some significantly negative things about people. Not this past one. Aunt Irene is amazing. But other funerals. And we are still very careful to speak very well mm. of people who have died. But then we leave the funeral and we go into our regular life and that's not how we speak about people. We're very quick to criticize yeah. what they should be doing, could be doing, how they could be doing it. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like quite a, a switch. Mm. Yeah. So, Jeff... Why do we speak this way about people? <laughs> Give us a biblical <laughs> you know, what's understanding. Interesting though is that I've been to funerals as well, similar similar to that. And people, what happens is that there's this moment in the, in the funeral. There's this formal occasion that you're. The expectation is that you say something positive. Which mm-hmm. Of course it is, and that's the right way it yeah. should be. Uh, and then there's the behind the scenes. You'll go out in the hallway afterwards, and if you didn't know, I've been to several funerals where I didn't really know the people very well. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, wow, this person sounds like they're a really delightful person. And yeah. somebody will say in the hallway quietly, well. they kind of look both ways and then say, <laughs> actually, they were the worst person I've ever known. Uh-huh. Or, you know, they, hmm. you know, wh- whatever. Uh-huh. So I actually think that your image of a funeral is interesting because I think that it actually describes my experience in Canadian culture that most times Canadians in public, public arena, arenas or in front of other people when somebody else is listening or they're face-to-face with someone... They treat people the way they would. They speak about people and things uh, to their face, like let that person they're speaking at that person's funeral. Mm-hmm. So it's positive, 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 positive. But then yeah. when they leave, mm-hmm. it's not that way yeah. at all. And I'm, I say it's Canadian because it's not. Other cultures I've been in have not handled it that way. And people even here that I know, I used to Cecilia Steenkamp, who used to be our our my um, admin assistant. She's from South Africa and she yeah. had a Dutch background. She like you always knew where you stood with Cecilia. Mm. Like she would just honestly tell me, "I don't yeah. like that." You know, I <laughs> yeah. think that you're wrong there, or I think that this is mistaken. And why do you always do that? Yeah, not she was never nagging on me or anything. But I think adding to the Canadian culture though is the Mennonite piece. 
So I've grown up in the Mennonite church, which is different than now the Mennonite Brethren Church, and that is a hallmark of being Mennonite, is people have been known for being quiet in the land, which Mm -hmm. was the words that were given to them, because they didn't raise a fuss about things. They kept to themselves and kept quiet. So this is very much a hallmark of also the Mennonite And sometimes it breeds... Bleeds into some passive aggressive behavior. Mm-hmm. At oh, times, yeah. Right? I mean, oh, yeah. It's not that it's seen as being noble yeah. to not say mm-hmm. anything, but yeah. then to be real super critical behind the scenes. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So you asked me what I think of it. I think it's sinful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because James 3 says it. Yeah. Right? That the tongue is, a, is you know, it sets a forest ablaze. Yeah. It's like a steers the whole ship. Yeah. And so in the end, you know, the same, the same, what does this James say? That sa- the same, uh, Water shouldn't come out of a, a, a salt water, a salt and fresh water, fresh water mm-hmm. out of the same spring. Yeah. Or a, a, a good tree doesn't produce really bad fruit and good fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the end, James really identifies that you can tell an awful lot about the, the uh, about Christians by the way they talk. Yeah. Especially, I think, especially about others. Mm-hmm. Especially um, behind the scenes, because right. that's when it's the most natural. Right, and I I throw myself into that as well, right? Because I know. You know, if if all of us were judged, will be judged by every word that comes out of our mouths. We are all in deep trouble. Yes. Because as much as I know the truth, I don't practice the truth as much as I want to. Mm-hmm. That I get good and angry, and then if I don't say it to someone's face, I will, you know, go on a rant behind their behind the scenes about something. And I, you know, there are people in your life that you're going to have close relationships with who, like, you know, my wife or your yep. husband Thalia. Josh, are you married? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Just Your a wife. few months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you're going to sit down and you're going to share that kind of stuff with with your spouse. And that that there's going to be a relationship that you have there that's going to be kind of closed in that regard. So there is a place for you to share your frustrations with yeah. somebody who's there. But it should probably never go beyond that. No. Like it should just be... And the purpose of that is sometimes to kind of vent and get it out so that you can realize what's going on behind the scenes for yourself. And you can say, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I got to go make that up with the person or I got to think of what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're this or that or the other thing. That's not how it goes, though. People are very... uh, I try to, though. Lots of opinions. It's helpful for me to get it out loud with somebody that I trust so that I can go back and figure out, okay, why? what's this going on for me here that I'm so mad or upset or... so I have a hard time with the vent just to get it out phrase. Like I get what you're saying. You're saying like you saying it out loud with someone you trust yeah. who will rebuke you yes. when you step over to the yeah, line. Yeah, that's what I mean. But the idea of, because I, I hear it all the time of like, oh, I just need to get it out of my system. Yeah. I just, that is such a lie. When you're actively engaging in these things that you're like, you know are wrong, like talking bad about someone behind their back. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm just going to get it out of my system. Yeah. You're just training yourself to do it more. Yeah, and even worse is if it's on social media. Yeah. Yeah, well, you just got to get it out there. It's yeah. not behind the scenes, but yeah, I know. It's quite public. Quite public. I do think it's a problem, though, that exists in, in our culture. Mm-hmm. Now, you're asking the question for a reason. Yeah, what? because we do this for people, but we also do this for churches, which are gatherings of people. Like, we're quick to look at a church and criticize for what they should do, could do, have not done, will do, all those kinds of things. And Amen. Uh, yeah. It's a big deal, a big problem, particularly in our culture, but here, we're talking about here so in So there Abbotsford. are some things that you would say that would be legitimate for you to, I mean, I, I think that the warnings in the scriptures against false teaching would be, uh, are, are appropriate for us to be aware of and recognize that, look, if there's a... If there's a church that is suffers with doctrinal fidelity, meaning mm-hmm. that they remain true to the 
the faith once for all handed to the saints, right? Uh, I. So if you knew that was happening, let's say there was a church in town, because there's none like that in Abbotsford, of course. <laughs> if there was, and you knew that they were doctrinally off base, yeah. what would be some appropriate Dep- ways to go and deal with that? Well, it depends on the off baseness, and it depends on how the people who are, if people in my my flock and my mm-hmm. that I'm shepherding are involved with that and are being influenced by it. Okay. So all the examples that we have in Scripture of uh, the false teaching that is influencing uh, are influencing a particular church. Yeah. And the command is basically from one of the apostles given to the church leaders to say, "You need to guard the good deposit. You yeah. need to shepherd the flock of God." Meaning that if these people who are under your care are being influenced by these false teachers, then you need to engage with the false teaching at the level that it's influencing your people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, it's not like, I think it's a really stupid, there are lots of people these days who are like, like they have what they call discernment ministries and stuff and they run, and they run around and they're just looking, they're kind of heresy hunters mm-hmm. and they're looking for stuff and then they publicize it. And to me, that's not really the posture that you find in the new Testament. I know, I know what they're trying to do. And in some ways I, I can appreciate what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, look in the proliferation of the internet, and the fact that people can are watching YouTube videos and all this stuff, people mm-hmm. are getting influenced all the time. But it's my job as a pastor to be trying to help people uh, to know what to and what not to listen to. So I, so, my, I think it's okay. My big point is yeah. I think it's okay and, and actually right to guard, guard the good deposits, shepherd the flock of God yeah. under my care. So talk about, the, talk about the benefit of being part of a denomination for this kind of an well, issue. Well, because denominations, historically, denominations have had a, a core doctrinal agreement. And so you can say, well, if I'm part of that denomination, this, this doctrinal core is what mm-hmm. I basically believe, and that the, the leadership of the denomination is always going to be guarding those boundaries. So where uh, do you think... They don't really do that. When I say they, I, yeah. there are different denominations. Some some will be more interested in guarding boundaries than others. Nowadays, they talk more about, hey, let's not talk about the boundaries. Let's just talk about, about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on what we agree on. And while that has some benefit, the problem in the end is that, you know, you, it's, it's very easy for wolves to come in unnoticed mm. in that. So... In the end, I think it's okay for churches to criticize, so for leaders of one church to criticize the leaders of another church if the leader of the other church is, be, is influencing their people right? and saying publicly, you should be aware of this particular individual. I think that that's, in Scripture, we have examples yeah. of that, right? So Paul have says you, that, you know, be careful of Hymenaeus and Alexander, or yeah. these sorts of people. He, said, he actually names names. So I, I, like, I think that's fine. What I, I'm not talking about when we talk about like criticism and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about doctrinal fidelity though. I'm talking about like, I don't like how that church has a worship service. Oh, I don't like mm-hmm. how that church, whether or not they are involved in the homeless uh, issue yeah. in our city as much yeah. as I think they should be. Or I don't think, I don't like that pastor because I saw him one day on the soccer field and he was, you know, yelling for his kid to get up. And I don't think that, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of reasons why it is that we end up passing judgment on other churches that have nothing to do with doctrine, but ultimately just have something to do with what, that they're not doing what I think they should do. Mm. Yeah. And that's the, that to me is the problem is that it's not, the stuff's not, it's not actually, it's not actually, uh, yet the, the core doctrinal pieces, it's essentially just your personal preference. So let's talk a little bit about the perception from others who are in the community. A lot of people in the community sort of have this perception that the church should be doing certain things, 
Like they should be involved with the homeless or they should be involved with caring for the poor, the needy, the oppressed in whichever way they said it, say it. So what would be your response to that? Well, I'd ask them what define the word church. Mm-hmm. So what they mean by that when they say it is church uh, as an organization, yeah, right, as an institution. So the church in that sense is... Uh, Northview Community Church, Willow Creek Community Church, uh, Mars Hill. I'm, I'm just naming mm-hmm. churches that have been heavily criticized. <laughs> like, uh, okay, that's what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, I think that the language, the way we should understand it is the church is the body of people yes. that gather at a particular place, but then scatter during the week. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So... You're quite, the, quite, the critique makes sense if you're assuming the institutional definition of church. Right. That church doesn't do this. Right. Right, because the institution of the church isn't going to do everything, right, right. In, in the community. It's well, not. Well, that's the perception, though, that the church should. Right, but the people in the church will have influence all, all, over, the pay, all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I view the, the local church is we are actually kingdom outposts. Right, so so we are, you know, the language in the scriptures that we are citizens of another country, or something. So God's kingdom is already here, but not yet totally here. And so little churches like ours are little outposts, mm-hmm. and we are embassies in a different land, basically. Right. So so the kingdom of God is not Canada. It's a it's a different thing. There's lots of Canadians in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. but that's why we don't put flags up in our building and stuff because we're not just Canadian. No. We're we're a different thing altogether. So the kingdom of God is this is this outpost. And as this outpost, the 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 job of that that outpost is to preach the message, right? Declare yep. the the word. That's the the language, right? That the gospel is to tell the good news of the coming king mm-hmm. whose outpost this is. Yeah. So I report that news to people and I tell him what his kingdom tell them what his kingdom rules are and the way that his rule and reign will look in the, their lives and then they go out, right? So we gather together and then we scatter throughout the week and we live out the implications of that kingdom life in lots of places in your vocation, meaning that your job, you also live it out in how you treat the poor and needy in your community. You, you live it out in a mirror, like we could go on massive list, and it's going to look different in the lives of each one of these people. It yeah. is. Some people are going to say, well, my actions, I have a particular heart to help the poor and needy in my town, the homeless in my town. Other people are going to say, well, I have a particular need to help the single mothers in my town. I have a particular need to help the baseball players in my town, right? I'm going to go coach. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that the role of the local church, and the, 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 the organization of the church, the chief role of the organization of the church is to report the message of the king as the church gathers, and then the church will then scatter into the community and be the hands and feet of Jesus that way. So when you say, well, uh, when somebody says, well, this church, I don't care what, what church we want to talk about, let's not use a real one. Let's use the world, the loft which is, I'm sure, a real church somewhere, but... <laughs> Not here. There's always these names that people have now. The Loft Community Church. Mm-hmm. Well, the Loft Community Church doesn't do anything in our community. Well, that's not true. Well, they don't give money. Really? Do you know all the people in the Loft? And do you know if they give money or don't give money to yeah. that particular organization or that particular minister work that's be happening among the, 
the poor and indigent in your community? You know that? Well, because the perception is people look at the loft and they'll look at all their programs. Yes. And they'll look at all the banquets they're running or the events or the things like that. And they'll say they're not protesting. They're not involved in petitions for the government. They're not working at the crisis center. They're not. And they'll list all the things they're not. But the church but that gathers at the loft is. Right, Does but that they make don't. Sense? Well, they don't look at the individuals. Yeah. No, they who don't are look part at the, of that church. They don't look at the church as defined by the body of people, which is the yeah. way the New Testament talks about this. The ecclesia you know, is the gathering. And I for, think we forget that even as individuals, we forget that when we go to church as individuals, we also have a purpose to scatter into the community. Mm-hmm. So that when you're a pack chair at your local school or like you coach, yep. you know, sports, we forget that we are the hands and feet of Jesus and yep. we are helping the church to achieve its mission. Right. So the theological language we put to that, we say you're bringing the reign of Christ to bear there. Does that? Yeah. So what, what I mean by that is that you've come to the kingdom outpost yeah. You've heard the commands of the king be proclaimed from the pulpit of that place. Yeah. You've been refreshed weekly to meet together with brothers and sisters. That's the language it uses, fellow citizens of this new country mm-hmm. that is in breaking. And now we scatter you out as aliens and strangers. Yep. And you go out and you represent now the values of the king. And the values of the king that is coming are different than the values of the people. That's why you're an alien and a stranger in the same way that your values as a Canadian, if you lived in the United States, would look a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And other places around the world could really different. Yeah. So you go out and you are involved in the community in a myriad of different ways. Yeah. Matt, and, and that's the goal. So yeah. when we, I mean, this is really leads, my, my heart really warms to this whole idea because what you end up doing is, is why, why are you planting churches? Yeah. And the reason is, I'm planting churches, not not just so we can say we have more churches, but the church is the means of, of transformation for communities. Mm-hmm. Like essentially, if I go and I proclaim the gospel to a bunch of people, when the gospel does its work, the Holy Spirit then takes that gospel, presses it deep in the hearts of people, and they go out and they become emissaries of the King in all those different areas. And so what you find in order to deal with you know, the lack of water in a particular region or the, or the lack of uh, health care or the lack of whatever, is you plant a church there. And then you proclaim the gospel to people, and those people then come to faith in Christ and are, are formed by the gospel, and they go out and they do, do good works in the community. Yeah. Do you, think, um, do you think our church right now, not our church, but like the church in our region, um, might struggle a little bit with... Um, uh, exchanging the ends and the means sort of thing. And by that, I mean, like, do you think we have an overemphasis on the simple practical doings of the church, like helping the poor and, you know, being working at crisis centers over and against sort of preaching the actual gospel? Like, do you think people are more concerned about helping the homeless than actually saying to the homeless? Like so I, I have came. heard that critique that some people think, for example, if they look at a church like Northview, they'll say, mm. well, you're really good at teaching and preaching. You're really good at having music, um, songs, and good programs, but you're not helping the poor and the needy. You say, but who's you? Right. So mm. this is the critique, that, especially yeah. people so who have a church, social North, justice issue. Northview will, as an institution, be involved in some things, but by, we, we cannot be involved. By Northview, as the institution of the church, will not be involved in everything. So we... Northview, we have involvement in uh, in a partnership with a local church down in our city that runs a children's ministry, and we do it um, we we do it in you know the Godson neighborhood basically, and mm-hmm. we've been involved for years in financing financially supporting. Like we own the building that the Cyrus Center's in, and we financially supported the Cyrus Center. We've been involved with the Salvation Army over mm-hmm. the years. We've the been involved food bank, food bank, a number of different places that yeah. we have had a formal partnership in as much, which is a refugee ministry in our city. Yeah. So 
But okay, I only listed off five there, and I'm sure that if you are a smart person, you would be able to list off another ten things that we could be doing. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, don't look at what the church organizationally is doing. Look at what the church scattered, the the actual gathering of people that gather together. That's the church. The church is the gathering of the people who are who the gospel is proclaimed to, and the gospel then does its work. The Spirit uses it, and it produces good works in the lives of people. What do those good works do? Yeah. So I'll give you an example. One of the ways the good works happen is that um, I went out, I was coaching soccer for my son years ago, went out into the field in the middle of the cold, man, it was raining sideways, and we were under the lights, they were doing this thing where they have these master teachers of soccer, and then you split up into your little teams, and there's like 8, 10, 15, I don't know how many teams are there. I looked around the field, and I I realized that almost every coach was a was a member, went to Northview. Yeah. So, okay, so, so then you'd say, well, is Northview having an impact on the soccer in your community? Well, I'd say, yeah, uh-huh. but... Only if you understand Northview to be the gathered people yeah. that then scatter into the community. And you say, yeah. well, soccer's not as important as helping the poor. I could list a lot of people in our church who are really involved yeah. in helping the poor in our community in a myriad of different ways. They've well, started ministries and mm-hmm. they serve in those ministries and things like that. And all of the different issues that you point out, it's not just Northview. I'd say Central Heights and other. Mm-hmm. this is the same thing. You might be able to look at the budget of Central Heights Church church and say, well, you're not involved with, and then fill in the blank, the yeah. thing that you're frustrated with them about, that to, to pass that judgment on them is to is to assume that you have knowledge about at what everyone in the church is doing. Yeah. yeah, I remember years ago when I was involved in the public school system and I kept hearing critiques about how Northview wasn't involved in the public school system. And I would just laugh at people. I'm like, do you know how many Christian teachers at Sandy Hill and Claiborne and Bateman also go to Northview and how many people on the mm. parent advisory committee and how many EAs and how many volunteers in the classrooms are also present, not only at Northview, but like you said, Central Heights, Ross mm. Road Heritage, so, you know, involved in their local public so school. So the issue, just on a theological point mm-hmm. here, it is a bad ecclesiology. Yeah. There's that's what I'm saying, is that if you have a robust, a strong ecclesiology, ecclesiology means ecclesia is the, means church. If you have a good doctrine of the church, and you mm-hmm. understand what the church is and what it's doing in the culture in which it dwells, and like I've said, it's a kingdom outpost, if you understand all of that theology behind what the church is, then some of these questions really clear themselves up, mm-hmm. that you stop assuming that the church organizationally should be involved in everything. Yeah. And you say, well, every church is going to have to make their decision about whether they're going to be involved in organizationally, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, whatever, any good you want to do is great. But then you also recognize that, oh, okay, so there are people in each one of those churches that are, you know, that are fighting social injustices all over the place. There are yeah. people who are, you know, you might, be, you might say, well, why aren't you protesting? Well, there yeah. are people who are protesting that particular thing or yeah. think that abortion is, is, is wicked and, and are acting in different ways. But the, the way they act is different. And so we have meetings, even as pastors, where we get emails from people from time to time, and they'll say, uh, you, need, you guys need to organize your, the, the, your, your church needs to be uh, around this particular manifestation of this social issue. So... Um, you need to all go and be in the march against abortion. Mm-hmm. And we say, actually, we our job is to proclaim the truth of the gospel to people, to connect the dots for them regarding what abortion is, regarding the, the, the belief that scriptures see, seem to uh, convey that 
Life begins at conception. You know, I knew you in your mother's womb. I knit you together, says the psalm. And um, made in the image of God and therefore killing this, this person, right, in their gestational stage, just because they're in an early stage of development doesn't mean that you get to kill them. They're made in the image of God, right? And so mm-hmm. we, we connect all those dots for them and then they walk away and they, th- they say, right, so this killing of them is wicked, right? So how do you want to respond to that? And some people might say, you know, I'm going to march. Mm. And other people are going to say, I don't want to march. That seems like something I wouldn't do. But I, I will tell you what I will do. Like my mother, for years, she was a nurse, and she worked in a crisis pregnancy center where they offered free health care in the States. To, so she was in part of more of the redemptive thing. So you might want to argue now about which one of those is more appropriate. And I'd say yes. Both. Right. And there mm-hmm. is one uh, in Abbotsford, actually, mm-hmm. a place right. that you can... There are a lot of North View people yeah. involved. My, my point is that... that I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you work that out in the specifics, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer for you when I see it happening. I'm not gonna say about your approach to to this. Say, well, that's horrible and terrible. Mm-hmm. But and I'm not gonna say that mine is necessarily. I might have all sorts of philosophical reasons why my, I think mine is better. That's fine. But I'm still gonna rejoice when I see see the gospel bearing fruit in the lives of people as they go out into the community. Yeah. But that's my thing, Thalia, yeah. what I just said there. I, I do not, for the life of me, understand why it is that we don't cheer on brothers and sisters mm. in Christ as they are being uh, yeah. good kingdom emissaries out in the community, whether they're my church or somebody else's church or any other church. Well, I think, why we have to pass judgment on some other church because they're not doing it the way we'd want to do it. Because they're not this, on our team. Right. Well, and this goes back to, I think, the funeral analogy at the beginning, because we do this with individuals. We look at just what's on the surface and we critique what we know on the surface. We have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. We just make our immediate judgment. And we do that for churches too. Like there are churches around town that we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, all the good and the bad and the things are working out. And we just pass our judgment on them, Mm. which is why we actually try to pray for churches at Northview, because we want to promote them in the eyes of people and have people... We say pray mind. for them in our services. We pray for them in our yeah. services so that we... We also, uh, outside our services, yeah. pray for them as well. We, we have do. pastors but on stage and things, but we try to publicly pray for other churches. Yeah, so as it shows signal, that we're yeah, a team. As a signal to the, what this church is doing in our community. They're proclaiming yeah. the gospel and it's bearing fruit, fruit in the community, and we pray for more of it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think about this? If you do have criticisms or worries or anxieties about a different church and you have some conviction about it that they're doing things wrong, then you then have some sort of responsibility to either pray or get to actually know the church, or there shouldn't be a response on your part. So, so what I would encourage is I'd actually... So those kinds of things come at me all the time. People will critique Northview to me in some form or other, and I'll say, <clears throat> come and have coffee with me. And Crystal and I have met with people for coffee who have critiques about whatever, <laughs> and sometimes people just don't know. And so you can kindly, respectfully say, well, actually, this is what's happening behind the scenes. And they'll say, well, I didn't know. I'm like, right. (laughs) So can I give you a a little proverb that I think was authored by Oswald Chambers years ago? There is always another factor in someone else's case about which you know nothing. Yeah. So as I've gotten older and in ministry and have moved through to some, some people would say the ranks of from, you know, youth ministry, peripheral, whatever, uh, parachurch ministry, I was a, taught at a Bible college. So as both from the distance and on the very inside of local church leadership, 
I've got to tell you that most, almost all the time, there is a legitimate reason why it is that somebody did what they did. And when I say legitimate, I don't mean it's always necessarily right or I would do the same thing, but it does make sense of their actions. So for you to say, these people are idiots, or, or the reason they don't do this is because they don't believe in evangelism, <laughs> or they don't believe yeah. in helping people, or they only believe in, like, that's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. Sometimes the rationale is pragmatic. Sometimes it's just because you, you can't do everything, and so you've mm-hmm. made judgment calls, and you might say, why would you make the judgment call on that and not this other thing? Yeah. And when I've engaged with people and told them, well, this other thing is involved in this and we can have this kind of impact and stuff, they start to realize, oh, there's actually more to it. So what I would say, Josh, is quite honestly, mm. show grace. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, there is always another factor in someone else's case about which you know nothing. Mm-hmm. And if your brother and sister in Christ have made a practical decision to do a particular thing, show grace. To the church that's chosen to do that, to the individual Christian, this is my kick recently, mm-hmm. right? About the legalism and the, mm. the, it's just, it gets so old mm-hmm. and nobody wants to be part of the community, that community that's like this. No. Where you're always worried that someone's looking over your shoulder and you're not doing it right. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to be part of a community like no. that. No, we want to champion other churches and other people. What I love in the care department is that every church in Abbotsford highlights different things. And so we have formed a good partnership with a lot of churches and we can say, hey, you want to go to celebrate recovery? We'll go to this church. They're offering that. Hey, this church mm-hmm. offers grief share. This one does divorce care. And we've actually shared people, like congregants can go to these different churches for their different programs, and we cheer each other on. And that has been something that's been developed over the last number of years under Vic's leadership, and it's been great. Hmm. Yeah, I think, so what, more in line that I was thinking was, if, if you're willing to criticize somebody or some mm-hmm. group, but not willing to get to know any of them, yeah. that might be something you need to pay attention uh, yeah, to. Yeah, that's a good point. Within. Yeah. Yeah. One of the tendencies that I see is that when we love our churches, like I've been at Northview for a long time, that when people critique our church, my church, that instant reaction is to feel defensive and want mm. to boast about all the things I know that are happening behind the scenes. And then I can't like, oh, I can't boast because that's also not biblical. So uh, Jeff, talk to us about why we don't kind of just like toot our own horn as to what's all going on behind the scenes at Northview or other churches wouldn't maybe about what's going on behind the scenes at their churches. I mean, the easy answer to that is because it's just kind of not our culture as a church. I share in our our uh, membership meetings and, and the new to Northview lunch whenever we have, you know, periodically people who come new and we mm-hmm. host this stuff. I, I almost always share the same thing, and that is that we tend to... At Northview, we have certain kind of things that we instinctively value. You know, you get to know a culture of a place if yeah. you go to that. Like every every business has got its own culture. Every every one of them has a little subculture that you kind of have to learn. And sometimes they, there are certain values that they have. And sometimes they go unstated. Almost always they go unstated. We sort of stated ours, not because we think we're trying to be this way. It's just kind of what we're like. And one of those things is that we value a humble attitude mm-hmm. as a church. We, 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 don't, we don't feel comfortable tooting our horn. We don't feel comfortable making uh, a lot about, look what we're doing out here. <laughs> yeah. Get the spotlight and show it on us. Uh-huh. We're amazing. You know, we, it's just not, it's not our approach to stuff. No. And so there are churches that do that. 
I'm okay. Like I'm personal. I know what they're trying to do. It's a marketing technique, and they're trying to give people confidence and joy, so that they don't have to deal with the questions that we're that we sometimes deal with when yeah. it comes to this. But, um, it's just not the way that we tend we tend to go about it, and probably because Thalia, as you even kind of hinted there, that there's some biblical stuff about. I think yeah. some of it has to the Mennonite brethren background of the yeah. church and the quietness and the. Yeah. Also, the Canadian, like, mm-hmm. we're not American. No. Right? We're not. No. And we're not going to act. And the way that we perceive American to be is, check us out. Uh-huh. We're the best. <laughs> yeah. We're, All the bold, flashy signs at the front of the we're church. We're you know? just <laughs> yeah. not like that. Now, I think yeah. we could do better, to be honest with you. I think we yeah. probably, in the days to come, will do more to try to get p- people to, because it it, it's important for people to know. Like where the money they give to the church ends up being spent in, mm. in some myriad of ways, and so that's just good stewardship. And yeah, that's a discussion that I've had with a few young adults lately. Is what's the line between informing and boasting? Totally, because they want to know like I what know. is our church doing for different yes. issues, and they want to f- know how do they give their money or how do they get involved. And I'm like, yeah, we don't do an awesome job of informing even unless you come to the annual meeting, which probably won't come because you're 19. So. How do we inform and yeah. not Yeah, so boast? in the days ahead, this is what we've done a big communication audit in our church just in the last little while. And so a lot of that will be hopefully changing in the next year or two. Communications is always difficult, right? I know. But you're right. As a church, it's difficult because you want to, you know, marketing, it, it can be a very valuable thing, not just for the church. It, nobody likes that language of marketing because it sounds like you're trying to sell something. I'm not trying to sell anything, but it can be valuable to communicate to people what's what's gone on and give mm-hmm. people a good good feeling as they should have well people but have the that, heart to be involved i think northview as a general rule will always will always lean away from the from that kind of spotlight and yeah. it, until somebody probably until someone else is a pastor here who's a little more rah-rah than i am and by a little i mean a lot <laughs> i'm not that guy have you noticed where's that? your pom have you noticed that <laughs> no never noticed yeah, that totally. <laughs> that's funny well, that's all I've got to say on the topic. Do you have any more? No, any I more could last talk forever words? about this particular subject. <laughs> okay. Can I just encourage people who yeah. are out there again to to offer grace to one another a lot more? Yeah. I don't. When I say that, I don't mean look. If somebody is blatantly sinning, then obviously it's a clear statement of scripture. You have the responsibility as a brother or sister of Christ to help to bring them back. This is what we do as church discipline and mm-hmm. our joy to see our brothers and sisters continue in the faith, and we don't want to leave them alone. Thinking, well, I'm just going to show grace when actually, actually, they're not repentant. And yeah. That. So we, I'm not talking about that. No, you're not talking about sweeping under the carpet. What I'm talking no. about, though, is in the myriad of different ways where we there aren't expressed state, statements in Scripture about about how someone should personally function or how a church should function, whether they have smoke and lights or they don't have smoke <laughs> and lights or yeah. whatever. You know what? It's all good. Yeah. It is all good. We can debate the philosophy and the meaty ecology of it, but at the end of the day, we should be brothers and sisters in Christ who are cheering each other on. When the mm-hmm. church across town does well, that's a win because yeah. we're about seeing the king and his kingdom come. Yeah. Seek to live peaceably among all so long mm-hmm. as it depends on you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.